The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. How are you, friends? It's another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. I have another interview for you all. This is with Al Schmidt. He is a legendary recording engineer and record producer. He's probably the most renowned recording engineer in popular recorded music. No exaggeration. Al Schmidt has more than 20 Grammy Awards to his name. He's worked on albums of some of the greatest artists in history, including Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Barbara Streisand, Natalie Cole, Jackson Brown. I could keep on going. There's really just too many to list. He also did the last two studio albums of Frank Sinatra. This was a really interesting inside look. I think you're going to agree with me. Al Schmidt is a very nice man. He is responsible for some of the greatest recordings in recorded music. We taught you on a couple of things. The first Bob Dylan album of standards, as I mentioned, the last two albums of Frank Sinatra, working with Paul McCartney, and our friend Robert Davi as well. Enjoy the interview with the great Al Schmidt here on the Paul Leslie Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest Al Schmidt is a recording engineer, mix engineer, he's done record production, and he's a lover of music, a 21-time Grammy Award winner. Mr. Schmidt, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I want you to take us back a little bit. What was life like when you were growing up? <laughs> when I was little, wow. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and we were very, very poor. My uncle, my father's brother, had a recording studio in New York City called Harry Smith's Recording. So my escape from being poor was to um, get on a subway when I was seven, eight years old and go over to Manhattan and spend the weekend with him. He was, uh, he didn't have any children. He was not only my uncle, he was also my godfather. So he treated me like I was his son. And so I got to spend every weekend, you know, he had a beautiful apartment on Riverside Drive. He had a beautiful car. He, uh, he just lived well. He took me to great restaurants. He took me to sporting events. And I got to hang out in the studio all weekend, uh, which is when I fell in love with music and recording. Take us back to that day, the first time you went into a recording studio. What are your memories? What was exciting about it? Oh, boy, my memories were he was he was recording a uh, a big band. And I remember when they would play it down and then he would have the musicians move around in different places so they could get a better balance. I also remember he um, he made all the musicians take their shoes off because you could hear their foot tapping, um, you know, on the on the wood floor. Those are some of the things that, and just all the equipment that was there, you know, lathes and that kind of stuff. I had never seen anything like that, so I was totally in awe. What is the most important thing for a recording engineer to do or to keep in mind when making a recording? The most important thing is to remember that the music comes first. You got to get yourself out of the way, get your ego out of the way. And it's all about the artist and, and the music you're recording. I think that's the most important thing. I was listening to this interview that you were, you were doing and you said somebody 
posed a question to you. They wrote in a question and they said, what's more important, good recording equipment or a good room? And you said, ideally both. But if you had to pick one, you would go with good recording equipment. Yeah. The way that things are changing with recording, tell me about what you've seen throughout the years in terms of just the ability. I mean, I've heard about albums being done in people's bedroom. Well, yeah, that happens a lot. And unfortunately, some of them are successful, but that doesn't necessarily mean they sound good. A lot of the stuff that's being done in guys' homes are... Uh, they qualify as, as a recording, but they're, they, they're not top-notch kind of music. And, you know, if you're trying to capture sounds, really capture sounds with what what a good instrument sounds like you know you're not going to do that in your in your bedroom i mean you can get maybe a, a decent sound on a voice but it's not the same as if you're in a beautiful room you know and certainly you can't put a bunch of strings in your bedroom uh, or a big band or any of those things so there are a lot of limitations of recording at home i don't have a studio at home and i don't think i would ever have one because if i I'm such a perfectionist in what I do that I would be getting up in the middle of the night and going into the studio to make sure I had enough bass on things or whatever. How did you meet Phil Ramone? Oh, I met Phil oh, in New York. I met Phil a while back. We got introduced to one another. We never really got close until um, we. Uh, he called me one day and said, hey, Al, are you busy? So-and-so, uh, he gave me a couple of dates, uh, a couple of weeks. It was like three weeks, these dates. And uh, and I said, well, let me check. And I checked my book, and I said, no, I'm, I'm cool, Phil. He's let me preface this. Before this, I did an interview for a mix magazine or one of those magazines, and someone said, do you have any regrets regarding your career? And I said, I have one regret. I, I never got to work with Frank Sinatra. And so anyway, so now back to the Phil Ramone story. So he calls me, and, and I got the time for him, and, and we're talking, chatting. He asked, you know, what my fee was, and I told him, and he kind of hesitated for a minute. And, and then he said, okay, okay, okay. So he gave me, you know, my rate. Just before we hung up, I said, by the way, who's the artist? And he said, Frank Sinatra. I said, geez, Phil, if you'd have told me that in front, I would have said I would have done it for nothing. <laughs> he said, so then he said to me, yeah, well, if you had asked me for more, I would have given it to you. <laughs> so that, that was and then Phil and I became extremely close friends. So we were almost like brothers the last 20 years of his life. We spent a lot of time together, made a lot of records together. After the uh, Sinatra record, he used to call me all the time when when he came out to California to record. When he told you about the Sinatra project and after you got over the excitement, what were your first thoughts? <laughs> well, you know, when I was a kid, I used to play hooky from school to go to the Paramount Theater in New York to see Sinatra. I mean, Sinatra was, you know, my idol when I was a kid. Loved everything he did. The excitement of thinking, oh, my God, I'm finally going to meet this guy and, and be in the same room with him. It was beyond words for me. It's like meeting uh, Babe Ruth or Joe DiMaggio or, or somebody like that, Jackie Robinson. In course of working on the duets project, did you have a lot of interactions with Mr. Sinatra? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, quite a bit. At one point he asked me what I did. He said, 
said to him, well, I'm the guy in the booth making you sound good. And he said, keep it up, kid. (laughs) (laughs) What was he like to work with on a professional level? For me, he was amazing. He was very professional. You know, the first day he came in, he sang for about five minutes and, and he said, not tonight, guys. His voice just didn't have it. He he was kind of hoarse, and so that was it. The next night he came in and and he just killed it. I mean, it was it was great. We did take one take, one take, one take. You know, we did nine songs in in I don't know maybe a three and a half four hour period or something like that. And the only time he ever stopped was if 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 the tempo wasn't right for him. He was so professional, it was ridiculous. He he, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He, he had great microphone technique. He, he was wonderful. Is there a track from either Duets Volume 1 or 2 that you're especially proud of? Oh, boy, I don't know. I think the one with Luther Vandross, I think. That was exceptionally good. Lady was a tramp, I think. That may be one. They were all great. And, you know, the arrangements were great. The band was great. We got to use both rooms at Capitol Studio A and Studio B. And we had all the strings and, uh, and, and B. So, and the, we had it wide open, but we had some separation there. So that made it great. It was just a great project to do. And everybody was so professional. It was Hank Catania, who was Sinatra's right-hand guy at the time. He was great. He was so helpful. Uh, everybody was excited about getting this done. We Everybody knew it was his last project, and we wanted it all to be, to be a great one. When Frank started to sing, and it sounded so good, and I looked at Phil, and Phil looked at me, and... We both had these shit-eating grins on our face. And his manager, Sinatra's manager at the time, was right next to, to Phil. And we were all just glowing. You know, it was just, oh boy, here we go. Then it was just a matter of capturing everything. All of the duets were done with the other singer that was joining Sinatra. They weren't in the same room. Why was it done that way? You know what? I think in some cases they didn't even know who was going to do the duet with Frank on these songs. So Frank sang the song down from top to bottom like there was nobody going to do a duet. He, there was, that was it. He just sang it down like he would normally sing the song. And then it was up to Phil, Phil Ramone to figure out who they were going to get to do it and how they were going to do it, you know? I see. A moment ago, you mentioned Capitol Studios. Yeah. Tell us about that room as a sound recording engineer. What is Capitol Studios like to work in? It's incredible. It's, it's, it's my favorite place to work in right now and has been for so many years. Yeah, I've done so many records there. It's almost like home to me. I know the room so well now. I know it like the back of my hand. I, the room just sounds great. They have great equipment. They have the greatest maintenance staff. I mean, everything works all the time. And if something does go wrong, it's fixed five minutes. You know, I've been in studios where things go down 
and an hour goes by before you're back on again and you got a room full of musicians and and it just takes the wind out of your sails you know it's just that never happens at capitol it's an amazing room and and it's a versatile room you can do all kinds of things in that room i, I just love it one recording artist who did an album at capitol studios that you you mixed the album for robert davi the album On the Road to Romance. What are your memories from that project? Oh, those are all fond memories. I remember when they were recording it, actually. Uh, they were recording in Studio A, and I was doing something else in C, and I would go in to say hello and, you know, just kind of listen for a little while. So it was going really well. And then I think Phil got involved with Robert on vocals and, and, and helped him with his vocals and get the vocals done. And then I was just really blessed and lucky to mix the record. And, and it was a fun, fun record to mix. Robert was a great, great guy. You know, he's a great actor. And I remember him from, you know, the James Bond movies and those things. So, so it was just really fun for me to meet him and how well he sang those Sonata things. He just, he knew Sonata inside and out. And it was great. It was a, a really fun project to do. Everybody had a great time doing it. You know, there was no tension. It was just great. What do you think about him as a vocalist? Robert? Yeah. Oh, Robert's he's a terrific vocalist. You know, he he had classical training when when he was young. I mean, he he could have been an opera singer. He's terrific. Just a matter of having the right person unfortunately phil isn't around anymore but phil was a perfect guy for robert phil is a gentle guy and an incredibly knowledgeable guy so so i think robert can get somebody like that to guide him through the vocal he's terrific one of the albums you worked on another album of many classic classic songs the paul mccartney album kisses on the bottom <laughs> so what's your question first of all what made you chuckle there <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the most fun projects I've ever done in my life. Now, after I did Sinatra, someone said to me, God, is there anybody else you want to work with? I said, well, there's a few other people uh, now. I said, Paul McCartney's one, you know, Bob Dylan's one. So here I am doing uh, Paul McCartney. And I have to tell you, I've worked with a lot of people. Paul McCartney is one of the nicest most professional people I've ever worked with. He comes in the control room. He introduces himself to everybody. Hi, I'm Paul McCartney. No kidding. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's just amazing. And he's an incredible musician. And we were scuffling along trying to find the right way to do these things because he had never done them before, except they were songs that his parents and his, his relatives would sing. But once he found it, and he was the one, boy, he just locked it. That was it. It was just a ball. And then I got to work at Capitol with him, and I worked at Avatar in New York, which is another incredible studio. It's one of my favorite studios. It's my favorite in New York, obviously. And then I got to work in uh, Studio uh, B and, and, and Abbey Road, or Studio 2, which is where they did all the Beatles records with Paul and for us to be there and all telling us stories about how they made their records and what was going on. It was just, it was unbelievable. 
time. And one of my all-time favorite records. It's interesting that so many of these artists you mentioned, McCartney, Bob Dylan, Robert Davi, all of these guys are doing these songs that are from the 40s uh, <laughs> and, sometimes, and sometimes 20s, 30s, early 50s, the American songbook. Why do you think that these singers are so attracted to that music? Wow. Well, one of the things, the songs are so great. You know, those songs are just, they're American classics. Tell me uh, the song that was uh, number one in the United States two, three years ago. Tell me, you know, does anybody sing that song now? Is anybody covering that song? But no, but those songs that were written by all those guys, us, Hansine, all of them, Cole, Cole Porter, those songs, people are still recording. They were done 50, 60 years ago, and people are still recording them because they're great songs. They tell stories. They're great songs to sing because there's an emotion to them. It's amazing. And and I love the fact that both Sinatra and McCartney got the essence of the song. They knew the story they were singing. They weren't singing words. They were telling a story. I think that's that's why those songs... That's why people keep doing them. And I just did that record with Dylan. And God, that was incredible. And he's told me he's been wanting to do that for 40 years. And to be able to do that with, with, with him was, that was another thrill, another great thrill in my life. Tell us about meeting Mr. Dylan the first time. <laughs> when did you meet well, him? I met him at the studio when he came in. We recorded at Capitol in Studio B. We were in the room, the main recording room, and he said, boy, the room sounds good. And I said, yeah, this is a really nice room. This is, Nat Cole did a lot of his stuff there and all. So he said, well, and my, my assistant at that time, Chandler Harrod, was with me. So he said, well, where would I sing? He said, you know, boy, it sounds good right here. So Chandler said, well, how about right here? And, he, and that's where he put the, the mic stand. That was it. And then we just talked about how we wanted to do things and, and the best way to go about it. We were off and running. The, the first day, he's, he's a very private guy. We would talk, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of conversation going on. But at the end, when, when he knew that I was on his side and really there to, to try to get to do the best for him, he started to loosen up, and at the end of the first day, and we had two or three things that we did that were really, really nice. I gave him a big hug, and, and I, I don't think people do that to him too often, but I just put my arms around him, gave him a big hug, and he kind of stiffened for a second. And the next thing I know, he relaxed, and he, there was a big smile on his face, and, and that was it. And from then on, it was a walk in the park. It was just so much fun. And he would often say, well, what does Al think? You know, Al, what do you think of that? And, and so forth. So, so I became a really big part of making that record. And, and it was a, a joy for me. I, I, I had a great time and a, a great admiration for Bob Dylan. I've always been a fan, you know, anybody that can write, you know, like a Rolling Stone or Blown in the Wind or those kind of things. So I was always a fan, but to get to actually be quite intimate with him was really pretty great. I've read that he listened to the recordings of Sinatra sing these songs prior to singing them himself. 
Yeah, that's correct. He did. He listened to the original recordings that Frank did in the 40s and 50s. And he would listen and, and not to do the song like Frank, but to get an essence of, of how Frank did it and, and, and the, you know, the, what the song meant and all. Because, you know, Frank's things were done with a big band or with a large orchestra. And we were in there with four guys, five guys. He made them his own. That's for sure. Was there a song on Shadows in the Night that you thought he really, really shined on in particular? Oh, God, there were so many. He did great. I, one of my favorites, just a great song, Don't Don't Try to Change Me Now. That's one I really liked a lot. But, God, there's just so many great ones. Offhand, there'd be about maybe, I don't know, uh, out of the ten songs, five of them were my favorite. <laughs> and it was songs that I loved, you know, that I, you know, that were around when I was a kid growing up. I knew the songs well because I had recorded so many of them with other people. Yeah, it was it was great. And we had great working. You know, he would come in at three, and we'd work from three to six, and then we'd take a two-hour dinner break and we worked from eight to maybe ten thirty and that was it and we worked monday through friday we took the weekend off it was just great just great and and he was just a kind considerate guy it was cool do you think that he planned the fact that this album was released on the centenary year of frank sinatra's birth a hundred years later do you think that that was planned or do you think it was just a coincidence I don't know. He's wanted to do this for a long time, so I, I, I don't know. I can't get in his head and, and, and tell what, uh, what was on Dylan's mind. But it's great that it came like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of magical. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand you recently worked on an album that's going to be coming out soon. An incredible album with Pat Williams, a big band album with Pat Williams, the arranger, composer. It is sensational sounding record. One of one of the best records I've ever made, sound wise. It's just incredible. So that won't be out until September. But and the the name of the album is Home Sweet Home, S U I T E, Home Sweet Home. And they're all original songs. Frank Sinatra Jr. sings on it. Tierney Sutton sings on it. Patty Austin sings on it. The rest are instrumental cuts, and it's just a fabulous record. What is the best thing about being Al Schmidt? <laughs> oh, the best thing about being Al Schmidt. Oh, I have so many. I have a wonderful family. I have so many wonderful friends. To be honest, I don't think I have an enemy in the world. So I think that's a good thing. Maybe that's... Not a good thing. Maybe that says something about me. I shouldn't. <laughs> but I enjoy, I am in, totally in love with what I do. You know, I get in the car, I drive, get on the freeway, drive to the first thing I do is say, thank you, God, for giving me this opportunity. You know, it's just, you know, I'm just blessed. I, I go to work. I love what I do. I'm blessed that I do it well. That's it. And I'm still busy you know and i've been doing this for 50 years you know and and i still i'm still able to do it and still go to work and i smile all the time and if it's somebody that gives me a bad time i just don't work with them anymore and nobody does that to me anymore i get a lot of respect so so it's great what do you yeah. want to say to anyone who is listening well what i really want to say to the world and to everybody that's listening to this is be kind to all living things. 
there's too too much killing in the world and 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 we have to uh we have to stop the other thing that i would say to anybody that wants to be doing what i'm doing or wants to be in the music business follow your heart don't give up and no matter what you're doing if you're hired on as as make coffee make the best coffee ever you're hired on to clean the studio make it the cleanest studio ever just do the best you can at whatever you're doing and that will translate into everything you do from then on do absolutely the best you can my last question yeah who is al schmidt (laughs) al schmidt is a kid that grew up in brooklyn played stickball in the streets uh, ring alivio had a bunch of friends um, growing up. Loved music from the first time I, I I heard my first record. I don't know. I I think an all around gentle good guy. Well, thank you very much for this interview. You're welcome, and it worked out well. As always, thanks for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com. For more information on Al Schmidt, visit Al Schmidt Music. Dot com. Until next time. Bop bop dealy bop 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 zipak a doodly not boxy key chacha cook a boz and look a boz and neck a pork a cat a go that I'm pop doodly son but over that a party can yeah a zika vaca book a long gone doodly boo goodbye.